Hi, I'm Pastor DeAndre J. Cross Sr., the pastor teacher of the St. John Baptist Church of Belle Place, Louisiana. Thank you for joining me today on the Renewing Your Mind podcast. Let's go into the sanctuary of the St. John Baptist Church and hear today's message. label the message faith under trial faith under trial our text today Peter writes to believers who are facing unprecedented immense persecution the Roman government was doing all they could to stop Christianity in its tracks Believers were suffering greatly at the hands of Nero, the emperor. And therefore, Peter writes to them to encourage them to persevere in spite of their own suffering, in spite of their own trials, and in spite of their persecution. Our text today is a reminder to us that God has not guaranteed us that we will not go through troubles or trials in this life. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The Christian life does not guarantee us a life exempt from trials. John chapter 16 verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Oh, beloved, I wish I could tell you today that everything is going to be peaches and cream. I wish I could tell you on today that everything is going to be a bed of roses. I wish I could tell you that life would be like living home on a range where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word and the sky is not cloudy all day. But the fact is, beloved, there is not a house in the land that can hang a sign out that says, no trouble here. Therefore, Peter picks up his pen and he offers to them the words of our text as an encouragement for the trials in which they are faced. When you look at our text on today, there are three things that I want to show you as it relates to our faith being under trial. The first thing we see here in the text is the sequence of trials. The sequence of trials. Verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, here it is, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That phrase, if need be, is often translated, if necessary. That word, if, can be translated as since. 
And therefore, the text really reads like this. Since it is necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Two things I want to show you about this. First thing I want to show you about the sequence of trials is that trials are inevitable. You cannot escape the trials of life. The reason that you and I cannot escape the trials of life is because it is necessary that we go through them. God intends for you and I to go through some things on this side. But on the other hand, the encouragement is that you will only go through when God sees it necessary for you to go through. Trials are inevitable. It does not matter how much you kick and scream. It does not matter how much you fuss and cuss. It does not matter how much you pout and whine. The reality is all of us will have to face some trials in this life. Trials are an inevitable reality, but not only are trials an inevitable reality, trials come in variety. When you look at the text, the text says in verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Older translations render this as manifold temptation. That word manifold means various. It means multicolored. It means variety. It, it, it's, it's one thing to go through a trial, but it's another thing to go through manifold trials. You do know that there is a difference between trials and manifold trials, don't you? A trial is when you have one car and uh, you have to get back and forth to work. And if you don't get to work, you will lose your job. And if you lose your job, you and your family will be outdoors. Well, given this, the car breaks down. You put the car in the shop to get it fixed, but the next day it breaks down again. You bring your car back to the same dealership and you put it in the shop for them to fix it and they fix it, but the next day it breaks down again. You bring it back the next day, put it in the shop for them to fix it and they fix it, but then it breaks down again. That's a trial. It's a trial because it's the same thing happening over and over again. But manifold trials say that not only is the car breaking down, but you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you that your health is failing. You come home to the mailbox and the bank tells you that the check has bounced. The utility company tells you that they're about to disconnect your lights. You turn to your friends for help only to find out that your friends have become foes. You go home and discover your husband or your wife has left you. That's manifold trials. It's, it's one thing to deal with just the car 
breaking down, but not only do I have to deal with the car breaking down, but I have to deal with my health failing. I have to deal with my money being funny. I have to deal with my honey acting like a dummy god. I just feel like my whole life is falling apart. And now you mean to tell me that this is necessary? Can I tell you today, people of God, that it is necessary to go through trials and tribulation in this life. It's necessary, but don't hang up the phone on me. The reason it's necessary is because there is a purpose that is attached to your pain. This leads me into my second point on today. Not only is there the sequence of trials, but there's also the significance of trials. Why? Why is it that trials are an abiding presence in our lives? Why is it that we must endure trials? Why, why is it that God allows us to be uh, subject to the trials of life. And can I tell you today, people of God, that God sends trials in order to test and purify our faith. Verse 7 says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. He says, the proven genuineness of your faith. That phrase, proven genuineness, it means to test something in order to prove that it will not fail. Did you hear what I said? I said that that phrase, proven genuineness, means to test something in order to prove that it will not fail. See, people of God, without the trying of your faith, you will never know that you have faith. A lot of us brag about faith. A lot of us talk about faith, but much of the faith that we brag about, much of the faith that we talk about is really, as Warren Risby says, false faith. See, you don't really know if you have faith until your faith has been put on the line. You, you really don't know uh, that you have faith until your faith has been tested. It was Adrian Rogers who said on one occasion, and he rightly said on one occasion, that a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And so God sends trials into our lives to test us to see if we believe what we say we believe. Can I get a witness here? Have you ever seen a car commercial? General Motors will put two dummies in a car. And then once they put these dummies in the car, they then ram that car into a wall. There is a dummy that's behind the wheel. And then there's a dummy that's on 
the passenger side. Now, the goal for GM is not to be mean to their vehicles. No, they, they are testing the vehicles. They, they want to see how much their vehicles can take. They want to find out where the flaws are that need to be corrected. They, they want to see how much their cars can stand with the ultimate goal being to make the car better. And in a higher and a holier way, that's what God does when he sends trials into our lives. He sometimes rams us into the wall of financial woes. He rams us into the wall of domestic difficulties. He rams us into the wall of health crisis. And, and when he does this, we think that he's trying to mess us up. We think that he's being mean, but he really does it so that he can identify our flaws. He wants to see what needs we have that need to be corrected in us. He wants to make us better, and because he wants to make us better, God puts our faith to the test by allowing trials to come into our lives. Now, he doesn't do this to destroy us, but he does it to demonstrate that our faith is genuine. Did you hear me, child of God? I said, whenever God allows trials to come into our lives, it's not because he wants us to become victims. No, but rather he wants us to become victors. And therefore, he sends trials into our lives so that he might be able to prove the genuineness of our faith. Notice, notice, if you will, the contrast that he uses between faith and pure gold. He, he says in verse 7, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. He, he uses this imagery of gold. During the refining process, the gold ore is heated in a giant furnace until it liquefies. The dross or waste material, once it gets in the fire, the waste material, it rises to the top and it is then skimmed off leaving only pure gold at the bottom. Now, in ancient times, goldsmiths knew that they had pure gold only when they could look at the gold and see their reflection in the gold. Lord have mercy. In the same way, God allows us to be exposed to the heat. He allows us to be exposed to the flame in order to separate the junk in our lives from the real stuff. And so he, he puts us in the furnace so that he can burn off some stuff that mean us no good. He, he puts us in the fire so that he can burn off the greed, burn off the impatience, burn off the unkindness, burn off 
the anger, burn off the bitterness, burn off the hatred, burn off the lust, burn off the selfishness, burn off the jealousy, burn off the malice, burn off all manner of evil and wickedness. And he allows us to go through the fire. He allows us to go through the furnace in order that he might be able to purify us. And he knows that we have been purified when he's able to see an image of himself in us. And that's why Job said that when he gets through with me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Have I got a witness here? If you're going to have a pure faith, you have to go through the fire. He says, he says that the proven genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ he, he says you have to go through the fire but that's not all because after he wraps all of this up it's your faith, not the gold, but it's your faith that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. Have I got a witness here? In other words, after you go through the storm, after you go through the rain, if your faith has proven to be durable, he will put it on display as a trophy of his victory. That, that is, that is, the Lord himself bestows upon us praise and glory and our heart. If I could say it another way, because of our faithfulness during our trials in this life, we will share in the praise, glory, and honor that belongs to our Lord. And I don't know about you, but that's good news. That's good news to know that we will be crowned with glory, praise, and honor by the Lord himself. There is the sequence of trials. There is the significance of trials. But thirdly and finally, there is the season of trials. Peter says, Peter says, whatever you are going through, know that it's just for a season. I thought somebody might shout right there. Peter says, whatever you're going through is just for a season. It's right here in verse 6. Verse 6 says, in all this you greatly rejoice. Here it is. Though now for a little while. Lord have mercy. He, he, he says, now for a little while. Now, notice that phrase now for a little while. What Peter is saying to us is our present trials, our present sufferings, our present circumstances are not permanent. Lord have mercy. He says what we are facing presently is not permanent, it's temporary. In other words, in, in other words, in other words, our trials have 
an expiration date. Lord have mercy. Uh, let, let me see if I can say it another way. The trouble that you and I are facing right now, it did not come to last, but it came to pass. See, some of y'all still don't know when to shout. Peter says that I know you're facing trouble. I know you're facing some unusual circumstances, but your trouble will not last always. That financial problem you're facing, it ain't going to last always. That health problem that you're facing, it's not going to last always. That marital problem that you're facing, it won't last always. COVID-19, it won't last always. No, Peter is saying to us that our troubles have a divine deadline. Peter is saying to us that our trials have an eternal expiration date. In other words, what you're going through, it will not last always. Have I got a witness here? Now don't misunderstand. Don't misunderstand what Peter is saying because this is not, as one writer puts it, a guarantee that your trials will be short. No, no, our, our trials may last weeks, it may last months, it may last years, sometimes it may even last for decades. But, but seen against the endless age of eternity, even the worst trials here on earth are for a little while by comparison. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear, I hear what you're saying. Well, Pastor, if it's not a guarantee that our trials will be short, then how long will he keep me in my trial? I'm glad you asked. I'll, I'll tell you. You are going to remain in your trials long enough to learn the lesson that he wants to teach us. And long enough to bring him glory when you come out of it. Have I got a witness here? And I don't know about you, but that's good news. The good news is even though you have to go through the heat, we serve a God that has his eye on the clock and his finger on the thermostat and he knows just how much we can bear. He will not allow us to suffer one minute too long. That's why David says in Psalm 30 verse number 5, weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning. You want to tell your neighbor it won't last always. I, I know you ain't in the sanctuary. I know you at your house. You ought to just type in the comments. You ought to just let some Somebody know that trouble will not last always. It ain't gonna last always. It will. It will come to pass. And the question becomes, question has to become, I, I know trouble ain't gonna last always, but, but, but what I want to know today is what do I do in the meantime? What, what, what do I do while I'm waiting for God to turn the temperature down. What, what do I do? Peter tells us what to do here in the verse. He says, Peter says, here's what you do. Rejoice. Verse 6 says, in all this, 
you greatly rejoice. That, that word rejoice means to be exceedingly joyful. It means to be overjoyed. He says, in all this, you be exceedingly joyful. That, that phrase, in all this, it refers back to verses 3 through 5, where Peter reminds us of our new life in Christ. He, he's reminding us of our salvation. He's reminding us of the living and the lasting hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He, he says our salvation should move us to praise God and to be filled with great joy. He says in all this. It points back to our salvation, but it, it also points ahead to what's waiting in the future. Paul, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. It's exactly what Paul had in mind in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, when he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, in other words, we don't rejoice because of what we are presently going through. No, we have joy because of where we are headed. Lord have mercy. We, we rejoice. We rejoice because although we are facing present trials, our eyes are fixed on something in the future. And while we may not be able to rejoice as we look around at our trials, we can rejoice as we look ahead to what's coming in the future. And what I got coming to the future in the future is the fact that my name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In other words, in other words, whenever we may suffer, we ought to remember that we are safe. In God's grace, we, we can rejoice because we know that it won't always be like this. And I don't know about you, but that's shouting news. That, that's shouting material. That's, that's something to shout about, to know that what I'm going through right now, it won't always be like this. Now let me say this, because this call to exuberant joy does not deny the reality of suffering. No, but what it does say is that our joy is sustainable and that it is joy that sustains us in the midst of our suffering. And here it is, people, people are wondering why you're smiling when you ought to be crying. 
You ought to learn how to tell him the reason I can smile when I ought to be crying is because his joy sustains me. People wonder why you haven't committed suicide a long time ago. The reason I haven't committed suicide is because his joy is sustaining me. People wondering how you're able to keep your head up when everybody else around you are putting their head down. You ought to tell them it's because his joy is sustaining me. People wondering how you could go to sleep at night knowing what's going on around you, knowing what's going on in your life, knowing what you're going to have to wake up to on tomorrow. The reason you can sleep at night is because his joy has been sustaining your life. It may be rough right now. It may be tough right now. I may be going through something right now, but his joy is sustaining me. And this joy that I have, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. So you might as well not wait until you come out of what you're going through. You might as well shout right now. You might as well rejoice right now because I might be going through it right now, but it won't always be like this. Why? Because God is perfecting that what's concerning me and sooner or later it's going to turn in my favor. It's turning around for me. Thank you for listening to the Renewing Your Mind podcast. We pray that today's message was an encouragement unto you. Until next time, be encouraged.